This business meeting uh, for the Senate Foreign Relations meeting will committee will come to order. The only uh, the only order of business today is S615, the Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act of 2015, and that bill is now the pending business of the committee. I want to start by uh, thanking uh, all the members of the committee for um, the tremendous amount of work that's been done over several months uh, to get us that, to the place that we are. And in any piece of legislation, obviously, there are things that uh, members would like to see different, but I think we've reached a balance here that is very, very appropriate. I want to thank uh, former chairman and former ranking member, Senator Bob Menendez, uh, for his tremendous efforts on all things Iran, but certainly this piece of legislation. Uh, I can't imagine a member being more constructive. And uh, I want to say that to me today, what may occur is the true reemergence of the Foreign Relations Committee becoming more than just a debating society, but a committee that takes up uh, the significant work that we have before us around the world. And I want to say again to our former chairman and our former ranking member, there is no question that over the last two years uh, you have helped bring us to this point where instead of uh, debating things, we in fact uh, may well be taking up and poured into legislation that will have a significant impact uh, on the security of the, of the Middle East and certainly of our citizens. Uh, I want to thank uh, I want to thank Tim Kane for his incredible effort. Um, Tim is someone who understands truly uh, the role of the United States Senate in issues of this significance and has worked has been a stalwart. Uh, do I think articulate more than more clearly than anyone else why it's important for us to take the role that I hope this legislation today will allow us to take. And then to Ranking Member Cardin, uh, I don't know how many times we've talked on the phone over the last uh, several days. Uh, I cannot thank you enough for your temperament, for your tone, uh, for your seriousness uh, on a very, very important issue. And uh, I look forward to working with you uh, on other significant issues. But uh, today, to be where we are, no doubt, is a testament. Uh, to the type of senator uh, you uh, came here to be, and I want to thank you for that. Um, look, let's uh, let's set the stage. Uh, in spite of what be what may be being said by uh, buildings down the street on the other end of Pennsylvania, uh, this legislation is exactly the congressional review, review that we've been working on for day one, and I want to thank everyone here for allowing this legislation to be in the form that it's in today with 100% of the integrity that we had hoped to be a part of this process embodied in this piece of legislation. What this legislation does, I think everyone understands that these Iran nuclear negotiations are incredibly important to the citizens that we represent. I think all of us uh, would like to see a strong negotiated agreement uh, that ensures that Iran does not get a nuclear weapon. But what this legislation does is allow us, Congress has been a partner in this, Congress as we know has passed four pieces of legislation since 2010 that most people 
credit for having brought Iran to the negotiating table. Uh, many times, uh, let's face it, uh, this was not something that the administration favored, but Congress prevailed, and the sanctions that we have put in place are the sanctions that have brought, economy, brought the Iranian economy down, certainly a great deal. It certainly caused the inflation and the destabilizing effect that has caused them to want to be at the negotiating table. What we have before us today is a bill that forces the administration, before they are able to lift the sanctions that we collectively put in place that brought them to the table, it forces the administration to bring to us every detail, if there happens to be a final agreement, every detail. Um, we've left time frames in here. We've worked through with a parliamentarian. We've worked through the House to make sure that the procedures are appropriate. I know that Ben and I will have a colloquy in a minute to, to further confirm that. But what this does, it means that the sanctions that have been put in place by this body, by the Senate and by the House, cannot be lifted, cannot be lifted without the administration bringing to us every detail of the deal, then the clock will start, and there'll be a period of time that Congress, that Congress will have the ability to, to debate and decide whether Congress uh, wants to move ahead with a resolution of approval or a resolution of disapproval. During that time, no congressional-mandated sanctions can be lifted. After that process is over, there's a third process that is very important. I think everybody understands what has happened uh, in North Korea, where arrangements were made, but there was no follow-through. And a very important aspect, a third leg to this agreement, is that Congress stays involved if an agreement is reached. And if one is not disapproved, Congress stays involved, and every 90 days, the administration has to certify that in every way, Iran is in compliance. And if there are violations within a 10-day period, they have to give that to Congress so that we have the ability, if we wish, to quickly reapply the sanctions that, if a deal is approved, uh, would be alleviated. So I think this puts Congress in its rightful role. People should know, and I think everyone understands, the sanctions that are being negotiated right now, Ron, are the nuclear sanctions only. The sanctions relative to uh, ballistic missile testing, they stay in place. The sanctions relative to terrorism, they stay in place. The sanctions relative to human rights, they stay in place. And so today we're only focused on the nuclear piece, but I would say in the event over time these sanctions are lifted because a deal is approved and Congress chooses not to disapprove it, I would just say to everyone here, uh, this bill gives us more reporting on terrorism than we've ever had, more reporting on ballistic missile testing than we've ever had, more reporting on human rights than we've ever had, and we will have that entire arsenal of sanctions that we put in place since 2010 to reapply in those areas if we feel like Iran is, again, doing things that are not in our national interest and certainly not in the countries. So I want to thank, uh, again, the ranking member. I want to thank uh, everybody who has worked with us in this regard. I know that there may be some other, uh, many people may have opening comments, but uh, it has been a true pleasure to work with Senator Cardin and others.
uh, for us to be in the place that we are with the entire integrity of the congressional review process that we started with staying in place. And with that, uh, I'll turn it over to our ranking member uh, who worked with us to get this in a place that I hope many Democrats will be able to join in. And he did so valiantly, he did so toughly, but he did so with a temperament uh, that allowed us to move along in a very productive way. Well, Chairman Corker, first of all, thank you very much. I, I want to completely agree with you in regards to the role that Senator Menendez has played in us reaching this moment. I don't believe we would be here today on the verge of reporting out, I hope by a very strong vote, a congressional review of the Iranian uh, accords that we hope will be presented to us in June. And uh, Senator Menendez uh, enjoys the, uh, the strong uh, thanks for the incredible leadership he has given the Senate Foreign Relations Committee as its chairman and as ranking member. I can assure everyone here, I am honored to be the ranking member, did not want to become ranking member under these circumstances, and I hope that uh, Senator Menendez's issues will be resolved very quickly. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I uh, look at my position as working with you to achieve our mutual goals, and that is this Senate Foreign Relations Committee has an extremely important role to play, and we want to do that in the best interest of the United States. So sure, I represent the Democratic members, but in a broader sense, I think we both represent all the members of the Senate in bringing as much unity as we possibly can to foreign policy in this country. So I look forward to uh, working with you in that regard. There is, it's clear to me that there is a strong common commitment in the Congress of the United States and in the White House to make sure Iran never becomes a nuclear weapon state. That is our objective. That's a game changer for the Middle East. It's something that we cannot allow to occur. I think we all agree that the preferred course to achieve that objective is through the diplomatic means, through the negotiations that are taking place with a strong agreement that would prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear weapon state. Such an agreement would have to provide ample time before Iran could break out to a nuclear weapon so that if they do not comply with the agreement, we'll know about those breaches and can take effective action to prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear weapon state. Bottom line is, there is no disagreement in this committee or in the Congress that we cannot trust Iran and that the agreement must be able to assure that Iran does not become a nuclear weapon state. I think we also will reach agreement today that of an appropriate role for Congress in reviewing the role, what we must do in that regard. And I start by saying thank you to Senator Corker and thank you to Senator Menendez and thank you to Senator Kane for giving us the framework to achieve that. I agree with Senator Corker. The basic framework of the bill that we're working on today provided a way in which Congress, in a thoughtful and, and meaningful way, could weigh in and review any agreement reached between uh, our negotiating partners in Iran in regards to their nuclear weapons. And secondly, it provided a means that we could get timely notice in the event there was a material breach so Congress could take appropriate action. Those two bed principles were in the original bill, and they are still there today, and I agree completely uh, with those purposes, and said so well before uh, the hearings, uh, uh, this markup today. I am pleased, though, we were able to negotiate a member uh, manager's package that has broad support and input from many members of this committee, and I want to thank members on both sides of the aisle for their input into the manager's amendment. It reflects, I think, the, 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 the best thoughts of all the members of the committee. 
It provides, I think, the right framework for the congressional review uh, and potential action. And I, Mr. Chairman, I, I just want to uh, quote from some language that's in the manager's amendments that's a sense of Congress that the sanctioned regime imposed on Iran by Congress is primarily responsible for bringing Iran to the table to negotiate its nuclear program. We're the ones who imposed the sanctions, as you pointed out. These negotiations are critically important matters of national security and foreign policy for the United States and its closest allies. This legislation does not require a vote for co by Congress for the agreement to commence. This legislation provides for congressional review, including an appropriate for approval, disapproval, or no action on statutory sanctions relief under an agreement. I, I just really want to point that out because people have asked why we're involved here. We have to be involved here. Only Congress can permanently change or modify the sanction regime, which is clearly part of what the president is negotiating in regards to the uh, Iran nuclear uh, program. Secondly, let me point out that the manager's amendment, I think, uh, uh, has the appropriate role for Congress uh, in regards to when we get that, that the agreement and how we act on it. It is clear that we will only act after the administration has presented to us an agreement. That's when the clock starts. So we're providing an orderly way for our consideration. Uh, we'll go into the time frame in a moment, but under the assumption that we're going to get the agreement on time, there would be an initial 30-day review period for Congress to review the agreement. We have checked that out. That gives our committee ample time to hold hearings, to do what is appropriate, and for Congress to take appropriate action. We don't know whether there'll be no action, a resolution of approval, resolution of disapproval, a resolution dealing with sanctions. All that is possible. No prejudgment on that. We'll wait till we receive the agreement and we, we have our committee hearings and determine the appropriate role for Congress. But there would be no action prior to receiving the agreement. It's also very clear that the April 2nd uh, framework is not part of, the, uh, of that type of review process. The 30 days could be extended if there was action taken that required a presidential approval uh, during that period of the presidential review and potential veto and veto override, the periods would be extended. We don't, no one can anticipate where we'll end up on this, but it basically is a 30-day re review process. Uh, I want to thank the chairman because we got into a big debate, and I, we may have an amendment being offered on this, so I'll, I'll just cover it briefly now. We've eliminated from the original draft certain presidential certifications that were not related to the Iranian negotiations. And I think that was the right thing to do. This is a complicated enough agreement. We're not going to be able to solve all the problems with Iran. If we can prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear weapon state, that's the objective of these agreements. Does Iran have other issues with the international community and us? You bet they do. And we are concerned about that. And I've just urged my colleagues to take a look at the manager's amendment, because we have strengthened this bill as it relates to getting adequate information about their terrorist activities and their violations of human rights, so that we have that information and can use that information as we see fit. So I believe the manager's amendment strengthens this bill as it relates to the other types of activities that are problematic to the United States that are caused by Iran, but does it in the right way without interfering. In fact, I would suggest that this bill strengthens the president's ability to negotiate in regards to the nuclear framework itself. And lastly, let me just say, 
I, I think uh, there, there's an amendment that's offered that makes it clear that uh, the security of Israel and the, and the survival of Israel is, is clearly paramount, one of the paramount goals. And I agree with that completely, and I'm glad that we were able to add that to the manager's amendment. I thank Senator Rubio, I send, thank Senator Boxer for, for their leadership on that issue. I, I do want to particularly thank uh, Senator Coons for his help in the shortening of the period, Senator Shaheen for her work on the framework of how we put this together, uh, and all the members on, on both sides uh, for their incredible work. I think this is a proud moment if we can get uh, this type of legislation as to how Congress can really weigh in on this agreement. I think it's the right thing for, not only for Congress, but for the American people. You want to do the colloquy? Oh, yeah. And Mr. Chairman, if I might, I just want to make one point on some of the new text in the manager's substitute amendment, which has been agreed to between Senator Corker and myself regarding the period of congressional review. The original bill mandated a 60-day period for congressional review, during which time the president would not be able to provide statutory sanctions relief. In the new text, if the agreement is submitted by July 10th, the congressional review period would be 30 days, and during that period, the president would be unable to provide statutory sanctions relief. The new text then provides for a further 12 days for the president to consider a veto of a resolution of disapproval and 10 days for Congress to consider overriding a veto. The 10-day period for con Congress to consider overriding a veto would begin the day after a presidential veto. Uh, that is uh, absolutely my understanding, and I think it's your understanding that the time clock only begins when the president submits all of the materials for us to weigh in, including all of the classified annexes that the public will never see, but are important for all of us to see uh, and to be able to weigh in on prior to any sanctions being relieved. But that is my understanding. Well, I appreciate that, and, and the, uh, the, you're correct. The, the president has to submit the agreement. The agreement is defined in the manager's amendment right. to include the relevant documents. And if he submits after that period of time, all of our members should know because of the way Congress functions uh, and non-functions during the period of August, uh, there's a 60-day process that we revert back to. So uh, uh, that is the case. Is that, uh, thank, that's our understanding, and, and certainly if it's spelled out that way in the manager's amendment, but, uh, but I want to make sure that uh, we have an agreement. I thank you for that. Uh, at this moment, uh, I, I, I really think it's important for Senator Menendez, uh, who's been such a champion, not only on this piece of legislation, but uh, regarding our mutual concerns with Iran, um, I would like to call on him to make some opening comments. Well, th <clears throat> thank you, Mr. Chairman. Let me, let me thank you for your gracious remarks, and I appreciate having worked with you on the legislation and your consultations with me on changes to the legislation, which I support. Um, and I think this continuation of the bipartisanship that I try to set out when I had the privilege of chairing the committee rises to the high calling of what the United States Senate is all about, uh, and particularly upholds the significance of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee as it relates to foreign policy and national security. So I, I want to thank you and congratulate you in that respect. I want to thank Senator Cardin, the ranking member, for his incredibly hard work in perfecting the legislation that brings us to what I hope will be a broad, strong, bipartisan vote. And I couldn't think of anyone better, Ben, to take my place during this interim period. 
And I want to thank Senator Kane, whose thoughtful input throughout the genesis uh, of uh, the legislation was incredibly helpful. In my view, the way, the way to send a message to Tehran about our expectations is for Congress to put politics aside and pass the Corker-Menendez-Iran Nuclear Agreement Review Act with unified, bipartisan action that underscores Congress's critical role in one of the highest priority national security nuclear nonproliferation challenges of our time. The fact is, if the P5 plus 1 and Iran ultimately achieve a comprehensive agreement by the June deadline, at the end of the day, Congress must have oversight responsibility, and this legislation provides it. This bill establishes a managed process for congressional review and a framework for congressional oversight. Now, I differentiate between this agreement and others the administration has cited for exclusive executive action because of the congressionally mandated sanctions that are law. And as the author of those sanctions, working with many others on this committee and beyond, I can tell you that we never envisioned a wholesale waiver of those sanctions without congressional input and action. My goal is one goal, and that is to make certain that Iran does not have the infrastructure to develop a nuclear weapon. And the best way to achieve that goal is with bipartisan support that strengthens the United States' hand in moving from a political framework to a comprehensive agreement and sets out expectations for Iranian compliance. So let's send a message to Tehran that sanctions relief is not a given and certainly not a prize for signing on the dotted line. Iran must fully comply with all provisions of an agreement that effectively dismantles its nuclear weapons infrastructure and verifies compliance with every word of the deal. Now I have many questions about the framework agreement including but not limited to the divergent understanding of the agreement, the difference on what Iran can do with research on advanced centrifuges, the timing and pacing of sanctions relief, the ability to snap back sanctions if there are violations of the agreement, the lack of addressing the possible military dimensions of Iran's program, the degree of the IAEA's ability to have snap inspections, not, re not regular inspections, snap inspections among others, but that's all the more reason for Congress to have an in-depth oversight role. So with that, Mr. Chairman, I thank you for your leadership. I thank the ranking members for his, and I urge a strong bipartisan vote on the chairman's mark. Are there additional uh, opening comments? If I could, I might want to go this way since we want to stay in balance here. Mr. Chairman, uh, first of all, again, I want to join in with everyone uh, and recognize your efforts on this. They've been uh, Herculean, to say the least. The reason this is so difficult is the fact that uh, we're negotiating towards two different goals. Usually when people are uh, negotiating, they're negotiating to get to a particular point. The United States and the world wants to negotiate to a point where uh, the Iranians cannot now, cannot ever have a nuclear weapon. The Iranians are negotiating to get a very specific, clear path forward to how they can get a nuclear weapon. Now, people talk about 10 years, 15 years. Look, this is a culture that's been around for five millennia, two and a half since they actually were the power in the world. 10 to 15 years is nothing for them. Under the agreement that, uh, that's been talked about, uh, they patiently can put one step, uh, one foot in front of the other and get to where they want to go. And uh, unfortunately, that, that leaves uh, uh, people that are going to be sitting in these chairs in the future to deal with that. And that, has, that is what's made this so difficult. Having said all that, 
Uh, I think there are steps that we can take at this point to at least slow it down, and who knows, maybe the uh, Iranian people will uh, overthrow what, uh, what they're burdened with, with their government, and uh, decide that they want to be uh, reasonable uh, actors in the world, and at some point in time get uh, to the point uh, where they do uh, abandon their, uh, their nuclear ambitions. This agreement that we're talking about right now does not get them to the point where they're abandoning their nuclear ambitions because it'd be very simple if they wanted to. They just destroy all their infrastructure, abandon it completely, and we move on. That's not what we're talking about here. Having said all that, there's some good stuff in here that I think uh, we're going to have to uh, uh, get on board with. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. If I could, just uh, uh, to clarify, I, the, I think the comments you're making about the agreement, you're talking about the agreement that's being negotiated between the P5 plus one, not, not today's agreement. Today's agreement is just putting in place a structure for us to be able to deal with that once it's presented and hopefully by giving us a seat at the, not at the negotiating table, but to be able to weigh in a way to influence it to a better place. Um, well said, Mr. Chairman. And Mr. Chairman, could I just, on that point, I think that's critically important we underscore that uh, because we're going to have strong bipartisan support for this agreement for this review process, there may be different views on what has been negotiated to date. And I, I think it's very clear that this vote on the review process is not at all a, a reflection on how members feel on uh, the underlying negotiations. And quite frankly, I'm just going to speak for myself, I want to see the agreements before I, I comment on the agreements. It's still a process being negotiated. I do want to acknowledge the President's success in keeping Iran intact during uh, these negotiating periods, his ability to get negotiating partners in unity and staying in unity, and keeping the sanction regime in place when many of us thought when the first uh, uh, framework was announced that we would not be able to do that. So I, I think we will uh, we'll reserve judgment on the merits at a different point, but right now I hope we could focus on the framework for our review. That's right. Someone on this side, uh, Senator Boxer. Thank you so much. Um, I really do appreciate the very hard work that you, Mr. Chairman, did, along with our ranking member, Senator Menendez, and so many others, Senator Kane, Coons, I don't mean to slight anyone. So many people were involved in this. And to me, it's very, very important. Um, I believe this bill has been changed uh, from a point at which I did not support it to a point in which I can. And it's because I believe the former bill would have disrupted and upended the ongoing negotiations between Iran and the P5 plus one. And I believe this new bill uh, will not do that. Now, I have received assurances uh, today, all morning, I was on the phone with experts saying, do you feel that if we vote for this bill, we will upend negotiations? And the answer came back very straightforward way, no, this bill will not do that. And so I'm very pleased. Now, the reason for that is there's no longer language in the bill tying extraneous issues to the agreement. Now, we may have an amendment to do that, and everyone has a right to their opinion. My own view, that would be a deal breaker uh, because we know how many problems we face with Iran. Let, we could count the ways we'd be here all day. But we're trying to take care of one of these problems today. So I would urge colleagues to refrain from trying to solve every problem with Iran. There's years worth of mistrust, years worth of problem, years worth of terrorism, and we're still dealing with them. And we will still, uh, still deal with them. And there is language in there that states that we will still deal with them, but let's not tie it 
to this legislation. Um, also, I'm pleased that what is highlighted in this is a section that says uh, we will not be voting on the final deal, if there is one, uh, until after uh, it is concluded. I think those are very important, and I do so appreciate Senators uh, Corker and Cardin accepting language that I wrote reaffirming the United States' commitment to Israel's security and its right to exist. Uh, we all feel that way, every one of us. I'm proud that it's in there. And I also am glad that the language I wrote with Senator Schatz on expedited procedures, should there be a breakout so that we can immediately go onto the floor of the United States Senate, no filibuster allowed, and add back sanctions or do other things that are everything will be on the table if there is a breakout. So in its new form, the bill clears, uh, I think, a very strong path forward for Congress to vote up or down on sanctions that it imposed. That's the way I view the bill. I view the bill a vote on sanctions that we imposed. Now, I want to be clear because you know I always am, straight from the heart, straight from the shoulder. If this bill is altered in ways that threaten this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to deal with a looming crisis, I will use every tool at my disposal to stop that from happening. This is just too important. So I want to thank not only the leaders of this committee, uh, and that does include Senator Menendez, if I, did, if I failed to mention him before, but also this administration for its extraordinary efforts in putting together a framework addressing Iran's nuclear future. And I've looked at the framework, and what I can say about it is it does call for intrusive inspections, not only of Iran's nuclear facilities, but of the supply chain. That is critical. And an actual rollback of nuclear capabilities. This is not a freeze. This is a rollback. So I, for one, have positive views about the framework and literally pray that the progress will continue because as I look at the alternative, to me, did you plan that? <laughs> as I look at the, <laughs> the alternative to this negotiation, this ongoing negotiation is, is frightening to the American people. They don't want another war. We had a colleague on the other side of the aisle actually call for bombing Iran now. And I fear that there's a lot more than one that feels this way. And I think by, by taking control, this committee taking control of this process, Mr. Chairman, I think it's the best thing we can do. The very last point, I hope people read the letter we got from 50 leaders, uh, bipartisan, eight administrations, five Republican administrations, and three Democratic administrations, urging us not to take any action to derail the ongoing negotiations. And I have to tell you, they are smart people. They know what they're talking about. And that's why I was very, very concerned. Now, frankly, <laughs> if I was in the chair, which I'm not, I would probably start off by holding hearings and call up all those experts and look at the framework before we went to today's markup. But we are where we are, and I feel good that we've moved to a place that doesn't threaten these ongoing negotiations. And I thank everyone again for their effort. Thank you. If I could, I want to move to Senator Rubio, but I just want to clarify again. It's my understanding that uh, no one is discussing 
waiting to vote on this legislation after it comes out of committee on the floor, that we're ready to vote on it on the floor. You were referring voting on the resolution of approval or disapproval Correct. after the administration actually presents uh, us a bill. So we're clearing the way for a strong vote on the floor if we pass this out today. Senator well, if I, could, if I could say what I meant. Yeah. Okay. okay. There may be some horrible amendments that are offered on the floor that to me uh, these amendments that could be offered on the floor which would destroy this very delicate balance that you two have achieved. And I wanted to put it out there that yeah. I'm not going to sit back and say, go for it. I'm not. I'm going to use every tool at my disposal to keep it the way it is. Because, I mean, there's no such thing as perfection. But I think the two of you have struck just the right balance. I want to protect that on the floor when this comes yeah. up. Thank you so much. Uh, Senator Rubio, who's contributed heavily, especially on the issues relative to Israel, and I want to thank him so much for his contribution and, and constructive efforts in that regard. Well, I want to thank you, Mr. Chairman, and the ranking member for your cooperation and your help on this issue, and for Senator Boxer, who as well had a second-degree amendment uh, on this issue. We were able to work together, but I do want to say that uh, I'm even more concerned about not simply destroying the delicate balance of this bill. I'm concerned about the destruction of Israel, and I'll tell you why I'm concerned about the destruction of Israel. In July of 2014, Ayatollah Khomeini tweeted, quote, this barbaric, wolf-like, and infanticidal regime of Israel, hashtag Israel, by the way, which spares no crime, has no cure, but to be annihilated. In November of 2014, the Supreme Leader's Twitter account posted this. It's a chart showing nine questions about the elimination of Israel. Why should the Zionist regime be eliminated? During its 66 years of life so far, the fake Zionist regime has tried to realize its goals by means of infanticide, homicide, violence, and iron fist while boasts about it blatantly. It goes on to say, until he calls for some sort of referendum where the Jews cannot participate and they all have to go back to their country, whatever that means. But until a referendum is held, how should Israel be confronted? Up until the day when this homicidal and infanticidal regime is eliminated through a referendum, powerful confrontation and resolute and armed resistance is the cure of this ruinous regime. The only means of confronting a regime which commits crimes beyond one's thought and imagination is a resolute and armed confrontation. Here's another quote from Ayatollah Ali Khomeini. It is the mission of the Islamic Republic of Iran to erase Israel from the map of the region. I think at some point when someone keeps saying they want to destroy you, you should take them seriously. And our concern here and what I want to do is I wanted there to be an amendment on this and where the president would have to certify to Congress that Iran's leaders have publicly accepted Israel's right to exist, or at a minimum, that whatever deal we're agreeing to here does not put the existence of Israel, not to mention its security, on stable ground. Now, I appreciate that there's been changes to the bill that in the, it's the sense of the Congress that the president should determine the agreement in no way compromises the commitment of the United States to Israel's security, nor its support for Israel's right to exist. I think that's better than not having in there at all but this is an issue we're going to have to talk about on the floor and uh, as we move forward beyond this place today. Because while we're concerned, no doubt, about the national security of the United States and the implications of a nuclear Iran, that is also, by the way, moving forward on ballistic missiles. And you don't build ballistic missiles because you want to do some fancy fireworks show. You build ballistic missiles because you want to put a nuclear warhead on it. And as they move forward on this program, not only does that pose a risk to the United States ultimately, it poses an immediate risk to Israel. You want to know how I know that? because the Supreme Leader has said it himself repeatedly. 
And so I appreciate the work and the accommodations that you've made to include this language. It's certainly better than not having it at all. This is an important debate for us to have. And I also appreciate, by the way, that we added in the sense of the Congress that United States sanctions on Iran for terrorism, human rights abuses, and ballistic missiles will remain in place under an agreement. I thought that was important. But thank you for allowing me to work with you. Thank you. Senator Shaheen. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I won't repeat all of the eloquent statements that have been made, but I do want to reiterate what's been said about the leadership from you, Senator Cardin, Senator Menendez, and Senator Kane, relative to getting an agreement on this legislation. Because I think, as you have said, it's not only important to the future of the Foreign Relations Committee and the very important work that we should be doing, but I think it also sends a very important signal to the people of this country that we can work together on big issues to address common problems that face the country, and we should be doing that um, as often as possible in the future. So I just want to congratulate you again for the great work that you've done, and I do intend to support this legislation. Thank you. Uh, Senator Johnson. Mr. Chairman, uh, I'll also uh, thank the chairman and uh, the people who worked on this agreement. Understand it's, a, it's, it's been a tough uh, road to hoe, and I realize your challenge in, in trying to accomplish uh, creating a piece of legislation that could get bipartisan support and, and overcome a, a threatened presidential veto. So I understand what, what, uh, what you've been working with here, uh, understand the challenge, but I, I, I did offer uh, a number of amendments to provide clarity. Now, if uh, we've reached agreement and we can take this to the floor of the Senate, uh, I will withhold offering those amendments during this markup, but, but I do want to talk about what this piece of legislation is and what it is not, provide that, that type of clarity. Uh, you said it creates the, a rightful role of Congress. Well, it creates a role, no doubt about that, and right now we have no role. So I would rather have a role than no role whatsoever because this administration has pretty well bypassed Congress from standpoint of negotiating this agreement. I realize it's the, the executive, the commander in chief that has to negotiate the, this, but, but this is a role. Uh, it's congressional review, potentially congressional oversight but it is not advice and consent. It is a long way from advice and consent. And from my standpoint, I think this agreement that President Obama is negotiating certainly rises to the level of a treaty. And there's, there's no set criteria for what a treaty is. There are considerations, and in the U.S. State Department's own Foreign Affairs Manual, it lists those considerations. Uh, one of them is the extent to which the agreement involves commitments or risks affecting the nation as a whole. I, I think this agreement affects and involves the, the commitments or risks affecting this nation. Uh, the third consideration, whether the agreement can be given effect without the enactment of subsequent legislation by the Congress. I think that applies. So from my standpoint, what President Obama is, is doing on the behalf of America is a treaty. And according to the Constitution, treaties should be subjected to the advice and consent of the Senate. Now what that would mean if we were really doing and engaging our role of advice and consent, that would require 67 senators to affirmatively approve of this deal. That, that is not what is going to happen here. We will not have 67 senators approving of this deal. That, that's, that's not what this, uh, what this bill is going to do. Now, there are basically three types of international agreements. There's a treaty that requires the advice and consent. There's also congressional executive agreements. Now, if you have congressional executive agreement reg subject to regular order, well, that'd be subject to a filibuster. So in that case, you would need 60 senators affirmatively approving of that agreement. 
that's still a pretty high hurdle. Now, there's, there potentially could be congressional executive agreements under expedited procedures, would not allow a filibuster. Well, that would then require 50 senators, as well as a majority in the House, both of the congressional executive agreements would require a majority of the House affirmatively approving the agreement. In other words, allowing the American people to have a say in a, an agreement that involves commitments or risks affecting the nation as a whole through their elected representatives. Now, what this bill does, it kind of turns the advice and consent on its head because it basically allows for a vote of disapproval. And in order for that vote of disapproval to actually have an effect of potentially stopping a really bad deal that involves commitments or risks affecting the nation as a whole, well, if it's not vetoed, that would require 60 senators voting for disapproval, which means 41 senators could approve this deal and we would not have that vote of approval. Now, if that vote of disapproval is vetoed by the president, we would need to overcome that veto with 67 senators, which means 34 senators would be required to approve of this deal. So again, this, this piece of legislation, which again, I appreciate the fact that at least this gives us a role. It is an incredibly limited role. It is a role with very little teeth. It is a far cry from advice and consent of 67 senators voting in the affirmative that this is a good deal for America. I, I, I still is beyond me why Democrats simply won't agree the fact that more than one person should actually be able to evaluate whether this is a good deal or not. Right now, the way it is is there's one person, the President of the United States, President Obama, is going to decide for America that this is a good deal or a bad deal. I, I believe the American people should be involved in that decision through their elected representatives. I believe this agreement, the President Obama's negotiation, rises to the level of a treaty. I believe we should prov be providing that advice and consent. I believe we should be affirmatively approving this thing with 67 votes. But in fact, it's going to be this piece of legislation. So again, I've made my point. I think I've provided clarity. And I will support this as long as basically the deal that has been uh, struck is, is approved here. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the comments. And um, you know, if I could wave a wand or if pigs began to fly, uh, we could turn this into uh, the type of agreement that has been discussed. But I, I will say this. Um, The administration, as you know, in the previous hearing we had, has been fighting strongly against this. Secretary Kerry fighting against this earlier today. I know they've relented because of what they believe to be the outcome here, but uh, I believe this is going to be an important role, and especially the compliance pieces that come afterwards. A very significant thing that did not occur under the North Korean agreement and gives us significant teeth uh, if a deal is achieved. But I want to thank you for your yeah. comment. And again, I, and I yeah. agree with that, and I appreciate yeah. that, and which is why I will vote yeah. this out of committee. Thank Mr. you so much. Mr. Chairman, I, I, just, yeah. I don't think we'll convince any administration, Democrat or Republican, that Congress uh, should have any role in anything that they do. We understand that. <laughs> that's a given. We, 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 but I, I just want to assure you and uh, that in my conversations with the administration, it's been a very positive conversation over the last 10 days. 
looking for a way that they could resolve the concerns that they had in a genuine way. So I, I just want, want, want to be clear that I think the administration's been very open about trying to get to uh, where we are today, uh, and I just thank you for allowing us to have that open process. Senator Coons, uh, who also been incredibly constructive, and we made our first trip, your first trip to Afghanistan together, and appreciate your significant input on the committee. Well, thank you, Chairman Corker and Ranking Member Cardin. Thank you uh, for the clear-eyed and the tough way in which you've negotiated this compromise that's in front of us uh, this afternoon. Uh, we have a broad and shared common goal, which is to prevent a nuclear-capable Iran. The only question in front of us is what role will this Congress and this committee play in important foreign policy decisions, and in particular, in the consideration of a deal with Iran and the P5 plus one partners, should there be one. And so I want to thank Senator Menendez for his uh, leadership of this committee and his role as ranking member in laying a lot of the groundwork for this. Senator Kane for persistently raising on a bipartisan basis that Congress should have a role. And I want to thank you for including in this package this compromise two amendments I filed a week ago. And I look forward to supporting it and hopefully to our moving it out today with a strong bipartisan vote. But we have a simple question about which path forward today this committee will take. Uh, we can, by passing this package, ensure that in the event of a deal with Iran, Congress has a constructive and a defined role to play, an opportunity to review the deal, and as you've said, to stay engaged in oversight. Or we can reject it and expose a potential deal with Iran to messy, endless, unpredictably timed attempts from Congress to prevent that from being implemented. We can embrace uh, this compromise and thus help our diplomats and our negotiators by presenting a unified position and a reasonable process for congressional review, or we can reject it and hurt our diplomats and negotiators by creating another partisan fiasco and sending mixed messages to the world. It is my hope that we will not reject this agreement. By doing so, we would once again have this committee serve as a minor speed bump as this administration and future administrations proceeds to make American foreign policy largely unrestrained. We can enact this, we can pass this out of committee today and reassert that the Senate Foreign Relations Committee has an important role to play in our nation's foreign policy decisions. It is my hope that on a bipartisan basis, we will do just that and take the reasoned and responsible path forward. And thank you to both of you for making this possible. Senator Flake, who's uh, been so constructive throughout this from the very beginning, thank you so much. I appreciate that, and in the interest of voting on this before the administration submits a final agreement, I'll yield. <laughs>
and not getting on that letter uh, that was sent to the Ayatollah. And, and I think once again, I just uh, I pat you on the back for that because I think once again that's in the tradition of this committee trying to do the best bipartisan foreign policy it can. And so uh, the one other thing I want to do is, is, and it's behind the scenes, the, this um, agreement that the administration's working on has had a lot to do with the national laboratories. Secretary Moniz talked about to us earlier, we have two of the three national security labs in New Mexico. We can't talk now about all the great things those scientists have done and the contribution they've made, but they, they are really on top of, of these nuclear enterprise issues, and, and uh, I know the story will come out eventually, how important that is, and I would ask that the Washington Post editorial by Moniz be put in the record at this point. And thank you all for your work again. And thank you, and I've visited both of those labs with you, as a matter of fact, and certainly they are uh, playing an incredible role in our national security, as is the Oak Ridge Lab in Tennessee in cooperation with them on these issues. So any other comments? Um, Senator Kane, yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and to all committee members. Um, I strongly supported the beginning of the negotiation with Iran when the President Obama announced it in November of 2013 and really viewed it as the fruition of your efforts. I was not in the Senate when the sanctions regime were passed. And so to those of you who were, uh, the economic realities of that regime opened up an opportunity and our president did what we would want the president to do, to seek a diplomatic answer to a very difficult question. Um, I also have a number of questions about the framework of the deal that was announced on April 2nd, but see much in that framework that I feel positively about. Uh, the rollback of the enriched uranium stockpile from 10,000 kilograms to 300 is massive and the agreement of Iran, at least in the framework, to participate in the IAEA's additional protocol for inspection, also significant. So I'm pro-diplomacy, and I see positives in the framework, but I've been strongly pro the need for congressional approval. There's been some suggestion that if you think Congress needs to approve this, you're anti-diplomacy. That's ridiculous. There's even been some suggestion, if you think Congress needs to approve this, you're pro-war. That's offensive. We have a role under Article II, and I actually think that congressional approval in this instance, under the framework that is now before us, is necessary, helpful, and what the American public demands and deserves. It's necessary because at the core, this is a negotiation about what must Iran do to get out from under a congressional sanctions regime. And so Congress will be involved. It's helpful because since Congress will be involved, the only question is, Will that involvement be helpful and orderly, or would be, will it be under free-for-all rules? Much better for us, much better for the administration, much better for the, the P5 plus one, much better for the Iran that we are asking to make concessions, big concessions, for them to see a process that is orderly and constructive. And finally, it's something that the American public, our role, they really deserve it. Um, I've been talking to Virginians about this now for many months, and then I've, I've recently, more recently, seen some polling that seems kind of odd if you look at it, but it, it does make sense. The American public, just as we do, is deeply concerned about an Iranian nuclear weapons program. Uh, the American public, just as we are, would hope, really hopes that we'll find a diplomatic answer to that problem if we can. They prefer diplomacy over war, just like we all do. The American public is deeply skeptical, just like we are, about Iran's intentions. Will Iran comply with an agreement? 
the American public overwhelmingly wants Congress to approve a deal rather than the president just to announce a deal. Focus on that one for a minute. Why do my constituents and yours want a deal to have to be approved by Congress? It's not out of disrespect for the president. And it's not because they love Congress. Let me share with you what they think about Congress. It's not exactly <laughs> great. They are so concerned about the magnitude of this deal that they'll feel more comfortable if both the executive and the legislature take a look and say, this is in the best interest of the nation. This is why people get a second opinion if they hear from a doctor something they don't like. The American public knows this is big. They'll feel more comfortable if it's both the executive and the legislature reviewing it. So that's why I'm strongly in support of this. And I want to thank you, Mr. Chair, Senator Cardin, Senator Menendez, all the colleagues, and the White House for weighing in here at the end so that we could find a path forward. Thank you very much. Thank you. Senator Murphy. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you to uh, you and the ranking member, as well as to the White House, for uh, bringing, uh, I think, this incredibly productive compromise before us today. Um, you know, I've been of like mind with Senator Boxer. Um, I have believed that this has been a largely unnecessary endeavor in that the uh, legislation that we're debating today doesn't really reserve for Congress any power that we don't already have. Uh, we had the ability before this debate to be able to review this agreement once it's submitted to Congress and to be able to take away from the president the power to waive sanctions. Um, and after the passage of this bill, we still have that power. And so all along, my concern has simply been uh, whether we're engaging in an effort that's going to make it less likely rather than more likely that we are going to get a deal to review. Uh, I reserve the right to be able to weigh in on that agreement. I just want to make sure that we're not taking any steps that lessen the chances that we will be able to conduct that uh, oversight uh, when the time is appropriate. Um, and uh, I would just reiterate what we've heard today from the administration. I think we've heard very clearly that the changes that have been made over the past 24 to 48 hours uh, essentially make this legislation benign as it relates to the negotiations. Uh, that there is a belief that with these changes, the shortened time frame, the uh, removal of the terrorist certification, uh, that this legislation, the passage of it, uh, is not going to affect the negotiations or the ability for us as a body to see the final agreement. So I'm happy to support it. Um, I, my final comment is, is just this one, and, and it builds, frankly, off of a comment from Senator Kane. Um, I do worry about a double standard of oversight in this Congress. And I don't worry about it when it comes to Senator Kane because he was right there at the beginning saying that we should oversee the president's proposed military action in the Middle East. Um, but uh, we have a constitutional duty to declare war. And we have been in this committee now for about four months and haven't taken any progress to fulfill what is our constitutional obligation to oversee war. Um, I would argue in differential position to Senator Johnson that we don't have a constitutional obligation here. And we frankly don't even have the ability to weigh in until after we see a final agreement. Uh, and so I just don't want to be in a situation where we have a higher standard of oversight on diplomacy than we have for war. Uh, and so I'm glad to support this compromise uh, moving forward. Uh, I think it will provide for a useful framework for the review of this agreement should it be entered into. Um, but I want to make sure that this committee moving forward is just as vigorous 
uh, in its oversight over war-making powers as it is over uh, diplomacy. I don't think this is an attack on diplomacy, uh, but uh, I'm hopeful that we will show some consistency uh, in the weeks and months to come. Thank you. I, I do want to just, uh, I have to say this, I apologize, but I, I think the reason the administration in the last two hours uh, has chosen the path that they're now taking is the number of senators that they realized were going to support this legislation. So anyway, I, I have a 180 different, 180 degree different view of what's happened over the last couple hours, but I appreciate your comment. Senator Markey. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And, uh, and again, uh, we can't praise you enough for the way that you are conducting this committee. Um, I think this is really in the best tradition of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee in the way that people might understand it to be, but oftentimes it is not. And I thank you, Senator Cardin, for your uh, excellent work in helping to uh, create a bridge that has uh, brought us to this moment. Uh, but I also want to thank uh, Senator Menendez and Senator Kane uh, for their work in ensuring that there would be a protection of congressional prerogatives, uh, especially in an era, area where the sanctions were actually a congressional idea. It originated here. Uh, and to a very large extent, that is why the Iranians have come to the table. So it's altogether fitting and appropriate that we are at this moment and that there is going to be an assertion of this congressional prerogative to oversee such an important uh, matter. So we congratulate all of you. And by the way, every member of the committee who participated in this process. Uh, there is no more important subject for the Congress to have to deal with. Um, the IAEA is perhaps the least well-known, most important institution on the planet. That is what we are going to be debating over the next four or five months, the role that the IAEA can play in avoiding a dramatic escalation of nuclear weapons proliferation in the Middle East that we have avoided for 70 years. And so it's going to be critical for the Senate, for the House, to be able to determine the adequacy of the inspections regime the funding made available to ensure that the IAEA can be the policeman on the beat, can be the protector uh, against the compromise of a civilian nuclear program that in the wrong hands can turn into a nuclear bomb factory. That's what this is all about. That's why the Israelis are looking at this so closely. It is why the Saudis, the Egyptians, the Turks are all looking at this one issue so closely. Because if we get it wrong, it is going to lead to the escalation that we have avoided over all of these decades. And so this is a big moment, and I think this committee has handled this issue very responsibly. And I think, to a certain extent, just listening to expert opinion, I think there's kind of a surprise that some people have had with regard to the specificity in the agreement, which Senator Kerry and Senator Moniz, uh, Secretary Moniz and uh, President Obama have brought back to America. And it should give us some hope that an agreement can be reached that accomplishes all of those goals. 
but it's also appropriate for this committee, for the Senate, to advise and consent, okay, to have a role in conducting the hearings, in hearing the evidence, and then making the decision. Because a lot of the rest of the history of the 21st century is going to actually ride on how this agreement is in fact written and enforced. And so I keep coming back to thanking you for the way in which you're conducting it. It's the appropriate role for this committee and for the Senate. Uh, and I can't praise Senator Kane, Menendez, uh, Cardin, and you, Mr. Chairman, for the incredible work which you have done. And uh, I yield back. Thank you. Are there any more opening comments? Um, seeing none, I would entertain a motion that we consider the manager's amendment by roll call vote. Moved. Is there a second? Mr. Chairman, um, at the appropriate time, I'd like to make a comment with regard to what we incorporated in the manager's amendment. Um, actually, uh, I think uh, you can go ahead and do that now. That'd be fine. Thank you. Thank you for your involvement in this and making this bill better as it is today. I just want to thank Chairman, Car Chairman Corker and uh, Ranking Member Cardin for their cooperation today. As many of you will remember, for five years, I have worked to see to it that the 45, 44 living Americans who were hostages in Iran in 1979 are compensated for their loss in a time. The Amer when we negotiated the Algerian Accords to release those people, at that time it was 52 living people, we specifically negotiated away their ability to get compensation from the Iranian government. The, the, I have a bill which I offered as an amendment which I will withdraw for reasons that I understand that would allow us to collect compensation from the Iranian sanctions money, which is available and accessible, to compensate each one of those remaining 44 citizens who are still alive today. The chairman and the ranking member asked me to take the, withdraw the amendment because it's not appropriate given the nature of the framework of the deal, and I agree with that. But you were both gracious enough to include it in the, in the manager's amendment. I appreciate that very much and appreciate Chairman Corker's willingness to add a time in the near future, which hopefully will be the immediate future, to allow the legislation to come before the committee. We owe those Americans everything. They were captive and tortured and beaten for 444 days. They're the only American civilians ever capped in captivity that never got some sort of compensation back from their captors and their tormentors. And I want to see to it that happens. But I want to thank the chairman and the ranking member for everything they've done to allow that and put that in the manager's amendment. And I withdraw my other amendment. Thank you, and thank you for your steadfast support of these families uh, with everything they've gone through. Uh, is there any member that would like to offer an amendment to the manager's package? Uh, Senator Barrasso. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I would like to call up Barrasso amendment to the uh, manager's amendment. This restores the language from the underlying base bill on the terrorism certification. Uh, it's simple, it's straightforward. It just reestablishes the requirement that the president certify Iran has not directly supported or carried out an act of terrorism against the United States or a United States person anywhere in the world. Uh, this was in the original piece of legislation. It is the bill that had significant bipartisan support, bipartisan co-sponsorship, and Iran has been designated by the United States as a state sponsor of terrorism since 1984. I think it's critical for the President to make this certification to Congress and to the American people. We are serious about our national security I think it's important that the committee clearly state that we will not tolerate terrorism against our nation. Thank you. Um, and if I could just respond, first of all, I want to thank the senator for the way he's conducted himself and certainly raising this issue. And I just would like for the audience and the world to know this was a request by Senator Menendez, actually, uh, that this be initially put in the bill. 
it's very difficult for me to understand uh, why a certification like this wouldn't easily be made. Candidly, uh, we have more information about terrorism in this bill than we've ever had before. And my guess is if Iran attempted uh, a terrorist act against an American, they not only would have sanctions, but likely uh, missiles and bombs. So I, I don't know why this could not be agreed to, but it was true that the administration did not want to have other issues not relevant to the nuclear deal in this. Uh, I have agreed to that, and while I support your amendment and support the base bill as it was before, I think the senator knows that I will oppose it, and I think I understand this creates problems for, uh, for the balance, if you will, that we have today. With that, the ranking member. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, let me explain. Uh, first of all, I, I agree with the chairman. I know that the sponsor of this amendment is well-intended. We all want to see uh, Iran end its terrorism uh, influence in many regions of the world that are very, very troubling to world stability. Uh, so it's, it's a major continuing problem. So we, we agree completely with the intent of this amendment. I disagree with the chairman, though, about the impact of this amendment. Uh, this amendment would have the unintended consequence of, I think, defeating any possibility for diplomacy. And let me explain why. The president would not be able to make this certification. Because he could not make the certification, there would be an expedited process for sanctions against Iran. And therefore, it would be totally contrary to what is being negotiated today in regards to nuclear nonproliferation obligations of Iran related to what they'll do to give up their nuclear weapons in regards to sanctions that were imposed because they violated their nuclear proliferation obligations. There are separate sanctions in regards to terrorism, ballistic missiles, and human rights. And the manager's amendment makes it clear that nothing in the negotiations affect those sanctioned regimes. So we have that tool in place, but it's not the sanctions that were imposed in regards to the nuclear proliferation discussions. So therefore, if this became a part of the a bill, it would, it would very likely be used as a reason to say that Diplomacy cannot work because the president can't make those certifications, can't give the relief that is being negotiated, and the U.S. would be blamed for the ends of negotiations, putting Iran actually in a stronger position internationally than they are today. I know that's not Senator Brasso's intent, but I think that's the consequences. Let me, though, point out, Senator Menendez, in the original bill, included very strong report language on the terrorism activities of Iran That's that right. must be submitted to Congress on a periodic basis. That language is not only included in the manager's amendment, but strengthened in the manager's amendment. That's right. We've also included other language that says uh, that, Iran, that the president must give, submit all actions, including an international forum being taken by the United States to stop, counter, condemn acts by Iran to directly or indirectly carry out acts of terrorism against the United States and U.S. persons, the impact of national security of the United States and the safety of American citizens as a result of any Iranian actions reported under this paragraph. And an additional paragraph was added, an assessment of whether violations of internationally recognized human rights in Iran have changed, increased, or decreased as compared to the prior 180-day period. These reports are due every six months. So it is a very strong provision in regards to keeping Congress informed as to these types of activities. And of course, we always have the right 
to take action. So I, I just would urge my colleague to recognize the certification provisions could very well compromise the ability of the United States to continue its negotiations, whereas this manager's amendment is very strong on the terrorism issues. Can we go ahead? Yes, sir. Senator Menendez. <clears throat> very briefly, let, let me say I have no doubt that Iran is a major state sponsor of terrorism, not because I say it, but because the State Department says it. So that is real. Having said that, my reason for seeking to include it was concerns that non-nuclear sanctions would be waived as it relates to terrorism and other elements. In view of the language that makes it clear that none of those other sanctions will be waived as a result of any nuclear deal, I certainly support uh, the bill as it presently stands and I will continue to pursue Iran as it relates to its state sponsor of terrorism in other venues. But I think it is so important, having that clear now, that that's not going to be waived under any set of circumstances, to have this type of process for the Senate to review any potential deal at the end of the day, that uh, I don't think that this is an impediment to our goal of both having a review process and making sure that Iran continues to suffer the consequences for being a state sponsor of terrorism. Thank Mr. you. If there are no, yes, sir. Mr. Chairman, I would speak in favor of the Brasso Amendment. We know that Iran has targeted and killed Americans. And I would just point out uh, in the op-ed written about a week ago by Secretaries Schultz and Kissinger uh, in the Wall Street Journal, uh, their statements that with the recent addition of Yemen as a battlefield, Tehran occupies positions along all of the Middle East strate strategic waterways and encircles arch rival Saudi Arabia, an American ally, and unless political restraint is linked to nuclear restraint, an agreement freeing Iran from sanctions risks empowering Iran's hegemonic tendencies, efforts, excuse me. Absent the linkage between nuclear and political restraint, America's traditional allies will conclude that the U.S. has traded temporary nuclear cooperation for acquiescence to Iranian hegemony. Yeah. I think it's important that we have this in here as, uh, as former secretaries have pointed out. Uh, thank you very much. I've spent a lot of time talking to Secretary Kissinger. Like many of us, we uh, have that ability, and, and uh, I couldn't agree more with the comments that were in the op-ed, and that's why the language that Senator Menendez has mentioned clears that up and uh, absolutely makes it known to all that we in no way, no way, as part of the agreement that we will discuss later if we pass this legislation, in no way will those sanctions be removed. And I might add, to the extent we have the information that will be much more available to us uh, from an intelligence standpoint as to what's happened, we have the tool of all of these sanctions that we're talking about today to even add to that. But uh, I, I know the senator would like to have a vote. If uh, there's no objection, then, then uh, do you want to speak to it anymore? Um, let's, uh, I would, uh, let's have a roll call vote. Aye.
No. No. Clerk will report. Thank you. Um, and again, I thank you so much for the way you've worked on this and your ability to raise that issue again in here. I, I very much appreciate that. So uh, it's my understanding then, uh, if there are no other amendments, uh, are there any other amendments? Um, I think we've had a motion and a second uh, to, to move to the manager's package, which we will now vote on. And if I would, uh, if the clerk would, please call the roll. Aye. Aye. Clerk will report. Are there any uh, are there any other amendments now to the base legislation that has been amended by the manager's package? Is there a motion that we move ahead with approving the bill as amended by the manager's package? It's been moved and seconded. If the clerk would, uh, the question is the motion to approve S615, the Iran Nuclear Agreement Act of 2015 as amended. Uh, if the clerk would call the roll. Aye. Thank you. Uh, bye. <laughs> Clerk will report. The ayes have it. Obviously, uh, that completes our committee's business. I ask unanimous consent that staff be authorized to make technical and conforming changes without objection, <laughs> so ordered. And with that, without objection, the committee will stand adjourned. Thank you all. Thank you. <laughs>